Psalm chapter 30 we're going to be looking at this morning. And we're going to be looking at pain and thanks or thanksgiving. Um, If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you Psalm chapter 30, uh, the the whole chapter. God's word says this, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. And have not let my foes rejoice over me. O oh, oh Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O oh Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. Sing praise to the Lord, O oh you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. For his anger is but for a moment. And his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes in the morning. As for me, I I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. But your favor, O Lord, but by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid my face. I was dismayed. To you, O Lord, I cry and to the Lord, I plead for mercy What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. You have turned turned for me my mourning into dancing, and you have loosed my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give you thanks, give thanks to you forever. God, I ask your blessing on your word. Help us to have attentive ears and our hearts be changed. God, help us in our stubbornness to see that pain has a purpose and that you're worthy uh, for us to praise you and give you thanks forever. God, thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So the psalmist, and and as we look at this, uh, the psalmist is pouring out his heart. Uh, you, you might see at the top of the chapter, it says a psalm of David, and it speaks of the dedication or the rededication of the temple. And Thanksgiving is that type of thing, isn't it? We reflect back on the year. We, we look back. Uh, we consider And the writer of this psalm, assumed to be David, is looking back on his own life. And he's considering what's gone on in the past. When you look back on some things in your life, sometimes you don't like it. You don't like it. As you look back and you see painful days, there might be a date that's burned into your mind. I remember that particular day. I knew what I was doing and this particular thing. And maybe we struggle with that pain of that day. Others of us, uh, it's not a date in the past. It's something that's lingering on. And as we come to church today, we're in the midst of it. And maybe that's even why we've come to church today. We are uh, looking for answers, looking for a way out. The psalmist is doing that for us as well as he recounts uh, some of his history, some of the events and the pain of his life. 
And he says this, and I love when the Psalms do this. A lot of Psalms, they will tell you, they won't say, stay tuned next verse for the, the answer to this. But some of the Psalms, they front load. They, they give you the answer. They give you where this is going even prior uh, to telling you of the events. And this is one of those Psalms. And the psalmist writes this, verse 1, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. I believe this first verse is really the, the summary of where this is going. He says, I will extol you. Uh, and, and the picture is this, and he says this two, three, four more times in, in this chapter. It, it gives the picture of being in the depths, being stuck in the well, being in the pit. And you say, now you're talking, preacher. That, that's something I can relate to, is being down there in those dark places. If you can picture the old well type picture where there, it's, a, it's a round cylinder into the ground. And, and as the water is way down, you can't necessarily see it. And it needs to be drawn out. Water doesn't just jump out of the ground unless it's a spring. But most of these wells, are it's there and it can't get out. The psalmist pictures himself as being there. He says, I'm in the pit. I, I, I'm in the depths. I, I, I can't get myself out. But verse 1 says this. The idea of extolling is the idea of exalting or lifting up or praising. I will lift up your name. I will, I will lift up my praises to you. Why? Because you've lifted me up. Because you've brought me out a place I couldn't get out of. I want you to think about that right now. The psalmist acknowledges his need that he couldn't get out. Um, we're in two places here this morning. We're, we're either knowing that, that we need a relationship with God, that he might bring us out of the places that we find ourselves, or we're just stuck there, fumbling around by ourselves, trying and thinking that we can do it without him. There are only two places this morning. And the psalmist acknowledges that he would praise or he would lift up the name. He would extol the name because he had done that for him. He had brought him out. As you look at these first three verses, it says, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up. Uh, that picture of a, a well. And have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have restored my life among those who go down to the pit. Okay? And you say, boy, I can relate to that. I, can, I found myself in dark places and, and doing things that I just couldn't get out of. And the psalmist writes his name. The person, his God, his, his relationship with God, that God did things for him and pulled him out of those places that he couldn't find himself a way out. This is the backdrop this morning on us understanding the pain and thanksgiving. He lift, uh, he lift, the psalmist says, I lift up your name or I will lift you up uh, because you have lifted me up. The situation we find in the 
sprinkled throughout. But if you look down at verse 5, you'll see this. He says, For his anger, speaking of God, is but for a moment. This is a hard picture for us to understand. But as God works out his plan in our life, there are times when he is angry with us. Not in a sense where he casts us off and doesn't care about us anymore. But as we disobey him, as we reject him, there's a sense where he allows the the pain to enter our life and even plans for it. As we consider this, he he says that in verse 5, and and you see also in verse 5, weeping may tarry for a night. There are times of weeping that happen in this life, and they're real. Uh, um, it's always... Uh, have you seen people cry before? You know, Have you really thought about crying? How many of you cry a lot? You can raise your hand. You say, I cry a lot. Come on. Some of you point to people if they cry too much, okay? Um, we, uh, uh, we have crying in our house from time to time. I try to keep it at a, I try to get a hold of myself most of the time, but um, most of it's just temper tantrums on my part. I didn't get my way. Tears of anger. Um, we always want to ask the question, is, there, is it really something to cry about? Is it really something to cry about? And, and then sometimes we go, ah, quit crying, quit crying. It's not a big deal. Uh, the problem with that uh, is being a pastor and being around people's lives and seeing my own life. There's plenty of things to cry about. There's plenty of them. And and it, we don't like to think about them. In fact, uh, yesterday at uh, the service for Annette, we, there were many tears shed, many tears. And it was legitimate. A sweet lady a husband left behind, a, a, a son and a daughter who, who missed their mom. You, you go through this and you, you say, these are legitimate things. And as we see this psalm, he points out that, that weeping, he pictures weeping all the night. Maybe you've had nights like that. Where the stuff of life or the pain of this world has, uh, you know, in another psalm it says, you know, I'm, made my bed tears you know your tears in bed it's it's filled my bed weeping for a night that the pain of this life sometimes causes us to weep and as we look at this uh you, you see this weeping this crying this the, the lord's anger and then in verse six six excuse me um in verse six you see why why if you look down at verse 6, it tells us the psalmist kind of confesses, uh, inspired confession of why this pain was entering his life. He says, as for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. I shall never be moved. Um, you say, well, what was this great thing that brought about this pain? I believe this psalm uh, the pain in this psalm comes from self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. Uh, of the psalmist thinking of a time in his life, a period in his life, a day in his life, we don't know. But, but he says, there was a time where I said, I have everything that I need. I've looked at my bank account. It's filled. 
I, I look at my situation. It's stable. I'm smart enough. I can handle anything. That, there's nothing in life that will shake me. And in saying that, there's an implication. I don't need God. I don't need God. If you think of this one verse, this one confession that the psalmist brought about, all the other pain comes from that. I want to tell you, um, and you probably already know this, that sin, our sin, whether just thoughts or actions, our sin will bring pain into our life. I, I won't ask for any testimonials or anything like that. But we all have them. We all have them. This is what I did that God didn't want me to do. He he told me not to do it. I did it anyways. And I brought pain to my own life. And not just my own life, but the life of my family, the people around me. I may have led others in sin as well. That's just what happens. My sin brings pain to my life. Now, I want to I talk to you just a minute, okay? Some of you are struggling right now, and you're saying, oh, I know. There's pain. Are you saying the pain of this last year uh, is connected to my sin? Maybe. Maybe I am saying that. Maybe I am saying that. Maybe that's what God wants to tell you today, and maybe for you there's repentance that needs to happen. Maybe, maybe the pain that you're going through right now is God saying, come back to me. But, but I want to tell you this. That's not God being unkind and mad at you. It's him being sweet to you. You look at Hebrews chapter 12. You, you can write that down and look at it later. There's a section that he talks about the discipline of the Lord and how sweet that is. That he considers us his children. That he loves us and he brings us back because it's best for us. God wants you to have a life, not just free from pain, but in close communion and dependence with him. But I want to say this as well. There's all kinds of different kinds of pain. There's pain that comes from our sin. We all know that. There's pain from living in a sinful world. It's not necessarily stuff that's going on in our house, but it encroaches on our house. Pain comes into our house because we live in a sinful world. There's other kinds of pain as we are seeking to walk with God that other things are going on. You see the book of Job that he went through great pain. There's all kinds of pain. But what I want to tell you is that pain is God's tool. He uses that. It, it's not without purpose. The, the days in the pit are not without purpose that we wouldn't, uh, that God wouldn't use that in our life to grow us to, to, bend, to depend more on Him. The different kinds of pain. All pain means is that school is in session. <laughs> And not just school so he can teach you a lesson, but that he could equip you to depend and to trust him more. As we look at this, we also see in verse 7, um, part of the this self-sufficiency, the psalmist acknowledges that 
you hid your face. You hid your face. And I want to tell you that as we sometimes push and fight against God, sometimes He allows us to experience what it is to walk without Him. That He allows us to be outside of His covering to be outside of his watchful eye. Not that he doesn't see us, but he allows us to be exposed to the dangers. This is all part of relationship with him. This was the situation in the book of Psalm, uh, in the chapter of Psalm 30 that we're looking at this morning. I want to give you the cure, though, as this the psalmist writes about his own pain journey. I want to give you his cure, the way out, the way out of uh, any kind of pain, to be honest with you, but especially pain that is brought on by sinful thoughts, by sinful actions. Verse 1, we looked at it already. I don't know if you saw it. He, he speaks of this. He, he speaks of God being the one that made the difference. As we look at this, I'm sorry, it's in verse 2. He starts out talking about in verse 1 how the Lord was the one who had drawn him up. But look at verse 2. He says this, I cried to you for help. I cried to you for help. And and you know what this is. This isn't crying like I'm sad. I'm just crying because life is bad. It's coming with an urgent plea. It's the idea of going to the emergency room at 3 o'clock in the morning. Do you know what that's like? Some of you have done that. Some of you have done that. Why do you, why do you go to the emergency room at 3 o'clock at night? Because there's no other way. Most of us do this thing. We don't feel very very good. You know, We go, oh... Oh, it's not that bad. It'll pass. I'll, I'll be all right. Some of you uh, do the calculator thing and you think, how much is this going to cost me if I go to the emergency room at three o'clock at night? Uh, others of you, you do a different calculation. You say, well, um, we live in Tehachapi and where's the hospital that I want to go to their emergency room? It's a long ways away. I don't know if I want to drive that far. Like, There's all these things that you're dismissing the idea of going in the middle of the night. But when it's really bad, when it's really bad and you're out of options, even in the middle of the night, you'll go and, because you want the doctor to do something that will that will change the course for you. That's what it is to cry out. It, it, it's this idea of desperation and thinking that you found the place. The psalmist writes, he, he says, I cried out. I cried out. I, I had a place where in my pain I cried out and there was a place to where I cried out to. Verse 2, look at it. Oh Lord my God, he speaks to him as Lord and, and this relationship that he was my, my personal God. I cried to you for help and you healed me. I need your help. He says this again. It's kind of a reoccurring theme. If you look down at, at verse 8, he says, To you, O Lord, I cry. And, and to the Lord, I plead for mercy. He uses the word mercy. That's not a word that says, I demand that you fix me. 
Mercy is a word that that looks for his kindness, looks for his benevolence, looks for his benevolence and his kindness and his goodness to him, not because of what he deserves, but despite who he is. I know you shouldn't care about me. I know that I'm not anything special. He calls to the Lord and and he says, I cry to you for help. And then again in verse 10, it says this, uh, Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my helper. We talked about this before, but uh, it's interesting that what got him into this problem was self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency will get you into the pit sooner than anything. If you, if you don't think you need God, life will be a minefield for you. And, and you'll be blowing yourself up and the rest of your family and you'll go, what's wrong? Well, I guess I'll just walk, work harder. <laughs> no. Um, it, it, the psalmist uses a word in there that, that is repulsive to some of us. Be my helper. You know why helper is such a bad word? Because it acknowledges we need help. This is the problem. If that word bothers you, the reality is you do need help. You need help. You need him to be with you when it comes to your health. How about, how's your marriage doing? How's your marriage doing? And you say, well, what do you mean? You say, Oh, you don't need any help in your marriage? You got it all figured out? You can do it on your own? And you say, oh, I don't want to ask for help. You know what? The problem with that is you need help. You need the work of God in your marriage. When you're raising kids, guess what? You need your God's help in raising your kids. You don't have all the answers. When it comes to your finances, you need God's help. If he doesn't participate with you, they're going to be a mess. You need his help. There's not an area in your life where you don't need his help. You say, well, I got this area taken care of. Taunt him with it then. Say, God, I don't need you. I don't need you to make any money. I I, I want you to picture this. We are needy people in need of the work of God. And and, and the psalmist writes, the psalmist writes in verse 6, he says, I didn't need him. I didn't need his help. And this is what brought the pain of God into my life. Well, the cure was a crying out to God. Let me tell you about the result. As you look down at God's word, the psalmist writes this in verse 5, For his anger is but for a moment, but for a moment. And then it says this, and his favor is for a lifetime. The psalmist describes what went on in this pain, that this pain was for a time period. It it had a bookend on either side, that God used it to, to, to teach us something. And he says that this pain or this problem is but for a moment, but his favor is for a lifetime. There's a turning of the pain into His grace for a lifetime. That that your trials and the pain in your life have a time period. But relationship with Him is forever. 
there's this beautiful turning he points to. If you look down at the second part of verse 5 there, for his anger is but for a moment and his favor is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night, but guess what? There's joy that comes in the morning. It has a, it has a finality to it. You say, uh, the idea of weeping all night sounds miserable. It is miserable. But after that, God restores that joy. Do, do you get that, that he is the one? If you look down at verse 11, he shows this turning again. He, he says, you have turned my mourning into dancing. I was going to give you a picture of that where I was going to dance before you. But there are some things that are sinful in the church. And Pastor Kevin dancing before the congregation would be one of those. Okay? It's inappropriate. Shouldn't happen ever. Okay? He puts these two things side by side. He speaks of mourning and this grieving and this this terrible thing. And he says he takes that mourning into this joyous dancing. He changes that and turns that in, and, and by his own work, he takes you from that dark pit into a place of rejoicing. He's in the business of turning our mess into something that's joyful. In verse 11, the second part, he says, you have loosed my sackcloth and you have clothed me with gladness. You've clothed me with gladness. Time of mourning, he takes the sackcloth. It's a picture of grieving. And he says, I'm going to change that outfit into something that clothes you with gladness. And I want to tell you, I know there are many here who struggle with depression. And it doesn't surprise me. It doesn't shock me. In fact, I'm, I'm shocked that more of us aren't depressed. There's a lot of things to be overwhelmed with in this world. Darkness, it, it, it happens. And you say, well, how do you get out? I want to tell you how you get out. You cry out to the Lord. You find your hope in Him. You wait on Him to do His work in your life. And you cling to Him. And you look for the joy that's found in Him, not in your life. If you want to be-